0: Yeah, well, my birthday's coming up this week. Let me, uh, yeah. I'm gonna be uh 37. And uh, happy birthday to Pastor Derek. His birthday is always a few days before mine. And every year around my birthday, I kinda start thinking about my life and what little things still stick out to me uh from childhood and whatnot. And that's really where this message was born—just me kind of getting contemplative and reflective. What were you doing 30 years ago? 30 years ago, I was I was seven, well six, almost seven. And when I was growing up, my um, my heroes were not sports stars or or actors or entertainers or singers not because i was a super spiritual kid my 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 parents didn't allow me to watch tv you know we we were in a very strict religious denomination until i was about 10 and so i didn't know you could watch anything on tv <laughs> except for like salty the singing songbook videos and amazing stories for children from the Bible, the VHS collection. I, I, I didn't know the TV would do anything other than that. And, and, you know, when I was growing up in those early years, the, the only social outing I knew anything about was church. Our whole life revolved around church. It was just church, 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 church. When you finally get done with that more church and And the highlight, the absolute highlight, you know, Disney world for me was when we would go to conference in Louisiana and we went every year to conference in Louisiana and I slept through most of it, you know, my mom and dad wouldn't let me go to kids church. They wanted me to be where the fire was and, and so I slept through most of it, but, but this this last night of this conference who we were at when I was about turn seven, this last night, it was the first time the preaching of the word of God ever got me. First time. And, and it was this amazing preacher. And it's the only time I had ever not gone to sleep. And, and I don't know if you've ever been in a service where the preaching was so powerful. It just felt like the ceiling was going to fall down around you. There were 5,000 people in the room that night. And to a seven-year-old, might as well have been 50,000 people. And I mean, the guy's preaching the paint off the walls. I didn't know anything about the anointing. I didn't know it was the power of the Holy Spirit I was feeling. I thought it was the preacher, you know. And and I'm sitting there. And I don't have sports stars. I don't have movie stars. I don't have any. So I was just sitting there thinking to myself, man. It would be life-changing if I could just shake his hand, you know, get his autograph. His name was Tommy Tenney, some of you may know. And uh, so I just, I went to bed thinking about, oh, I would love to shake his hand. I just, you know, because handshaking was, my grandpa was big on handshaking and and, and all that kind of stuff. And I just thought, man, it would just be such an honor to shake his hand. The next morning, we went to the airport in Louisiana. And... My mom and dad were at the ticket counter. And excuse me for the elaborate detail, but you need it to know the power of the story. In the denomination we were in at the time, there was a lot of similarity and unity in the way people presented themselves. In other words, they they all kind of dressed the same. Okay. So for the men, for the most part, they would wear a black suit with a white shirt and a tie with a little bit of red in it, usually, okay? And back in the early 80s, when families would go get on planes together, they would dress up, you know? They'd wear nice clothes and, and dress up. So my dad was at the ticket counter, black suit, white shirt, tie with a little bit of red in it. And um, I would not paying attention. I was walking around in my own little world daydreaming about whatever a seven-year-old daydreams about. And I saw this man that looked like my dad from the back. He had broad shoulders. He was wearing a black suit and white shirt with a tie with a little bit of red in it. And I just started following him, you know. (laughs) Didn't say nothing, you know. I'm And And I followed him through the security line. And security wasn't back then what it is today. Everybody saw me and thought nothing of it. And I just kept following. I'm not saying nothing to him. He hasn't noticed me. I'm just following my dad to the plane. So I followed him through security. And I followed him down through the terminal. And and I got in line with him to get on the plane. And and I got on the plane (laughs) with this man that I think is my dad. And suddenly I came out of my daydream and it's starting to kind of settle down on me. You're on a plane now. It's about to take off in a minute. And I still wasn't real comfortable being on planes. And so I was a little nervous and I guess just out of a desire to have some comfort, I, I reached out and grabbed my, what I thought was my dad's hand, just wanted to hold his hand, you know? And the gentleman turned around and looked at me, and I was shocked because it wasn't my dad. It was Tommy Tenney, the guy who had preached, and all I wanted to do was just shake his hand. And I've got two things exploding in my brain at the same time. Number one, oh my God, it's you from last night this is amazing. And then on the other side of my brain, Oh my God, you're not my dad. <laughs> I'm in an airport outside of my home state. I don't know where my dad is. Oh my God, what's going to happen to me. And, and I burst into tears because it was too much. And I looked up at him and I said, I, I didn't know it was you. Followed him all through the airport. I, I didn't know. I didn't know it was you. In the text we read in Revelation, Jesus Himself is speaking and He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now, the word behold there, it's a word that connotes something visual, it means to perceive, to see. To take notice of and to understand. Jesus is saying, hey, perceive this. Take notice of this. Understand this. I, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Realize the effort that I'm making. Perceive, understand the effort that I'm making to get your Attention. And then he takes a visual term, behold, and puts it in juxtaposition against an audible thing or term, knocking. In other words, if you don't behold, perceive, see, and understand that it's me at the door, then you won't be able to hear the fact that I'm knocking you'll misinterpret the knocking for peripheral noise and you won't know that it's me. Having ears but not being able to hear eyes and not being able to see a heart and not being able to understand. Then Jesus closes chapter three by saying, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the church. Letting us know that just because you have nodules on the side of your head does not necessarily mean you have an ear to be able to hear on the inside. In this verse, Jesus is referencing people who are so cumbered about, so worried. They're just in a stupor. They're in a daydream, just walking around and not realizing the effort he is making to get their attention. They fail to see him. They may hear the word, but they fail to perceive in their heart that through the word, Jesus himself is trying to say something to you. I I didn't know it was you. In Luke 24, two disciples are walking to Emmaus. They are filled with worry, care the trouble of the day. They're discussing the news cycle. That's been going on for the last three days. And while they're walking and talking together. Jesus who was incidentally the subject. That they were discussing. Shows up walking with them. But they did not recognize him. I want to give you a couple of reasons why. Number one. They didn't recognize his presence. The person they were supposedly so concerned about was standing there with them, but they did not behold him. They didn't recognize his presence. The extremes of life had taken a toll on their spiritual sensitivity. When Jesus died, they had buried their hopes of the Messiah coming to redeem them. And they don't know now that it's the third day and they're talking about the body being missing. They don't know now whether to dig up their hopes or bury them further in their callous hearts. And they're numb with fear and weary with trouble. And they don't even realize that he's with them. Could it be possible that you've failed to notice the presence of Jesus in your life? Could it be possible that you've been going through so much and facing so much and your mind's been bombarded with so much that you failed to see that right in the middle of it, Jesus has been present with you. I want to encourage someone who doesn't feel like you got any help. You don't feel like you got any strength. You feel like you're dealing with the struggles of life all on your own. God sent me in here this morning to tell you he's with you. You may not recognize it, but he's with you. You may be like me or like those disciples saying, I didn't know it was you, but he's still with you. Even when you don't know that he is with you, God is with you. But these men were on a tough road and the difficulty of the road they were on kept their eyes restrained. I know I'm talking to some people this morning that are on a tough road. If you're on a tough road, just slip your hand up. You can be honest about it. Are you on a tough road? Has it been tough this week? Has it been difficult in your life lately? Everybody that raised your hand, look at somebody and say, but he's still with me. I'm on a tough road, but he's still with me. I'm going through some hell, but he's still with me. And knowing that God is with you helps you to not be frantic when people aren't with you. Having the confidence that God is with you in the middle of the circumstance will keep you from wavering and going back and forth in fear and anxiety and depression and, and having a forlornment of the soul, knowing that God is with you. These men are in the presence of Jesus, literally. And yet all they can talk about is their trouble and what they're worried about. And we've seen this. We see this in our day. We see people come to church and waste beautiful moments in the presence of God. Busy complaining. Magnifying their trouble. Instead of noticing the presence that's all around them. And I want I to take a minute and take the text and, and apply it to us. What situations are you going through that's stopping you from recognizing The presence of Jesus in your life. What is it that you're facing that's keeping your eyes restrained? Because he's with you. He's on the road with you. Every twist and turn, he's on it with you. When you were crying on the phone last week, he was right there with you when you were tossing and turning and not able to get any rest last week, he was right there with you. Ray, when your car caught on fire last week, he was right there with you. If he wouldn't have been with you, you wouldn't have made it out of that mess. He was right there. But they didn't recognize his presence. Number two, they didn't recognize his preaching. I want you to think about this. The road to Emmaus is a seven-mile walk. When's the last time you walked seven miles? (laughs) It's a seven-mile walk. And the scripture says, Jesus started with Moses' writings, which that would have been the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He started with Moses and went all the way through the prophets. That means He's picking through the whole Old Testament and he's showing them every reference about himself, every shadow and type, everything that God was whispering to the earth about what the Messiah would be and what he would do. Jesus is just preaching it to them for seven miles. The word of God made flesh is preaching the word about himself, himself. Jesus is preaching Jesus. He's not talking. He's not speaking from current thought or reality, which he could. He goes back and uses what had been written already, the scriptures. And he uses that to make his appeal to them. He would have had to have said stuff like, I am to you what Moses was to the children of Israel. I was drawn out so that you can be drawn in. I am your tabernacle, your sacrifice system. I am the Passover lamb whose blood was shed. So the death angel had to leave you alone. I I am the manna that came down out of heaven that fed your weary soul. I am the rock that followed them in the wilderness and water came out of its side. I am the strong meat, the doctrine of the quail that blew in every evening. I'm the pillar of a cloud that went before you by day and the pillar of fire that warmed you by night. I am the golden cup of man. I am the golden candlesticks. I am the ark of the covenant. I am your mercy seat. I am the rock that was in David's sling. I am the day star. I'm the lily of the valley and the rose of Sharon. I am the stone that the builders rejected that will become the chief cornerstone of the house of God. I am, I am that I am. He preached for seven miles. Who else but Jesus could preach about Jesus that way? And he preached and he preached. He revealed, he taught, and they still didn't see him in the preaching. They heard the preaching, but they didn't hear the preaching. They couldn't see Jesus in the preaching. That's the thing about the scripture. If you ever get the real scripture preached, Jesus is somewhere in the preaching. I'm not talking about the subject. I'm talking about the object. Jesus himself is in the preaching when the word of God is being preached. And it's amazing that we still don't see that it's Jesus in the preaching. Don't get it twisted. It's not Jason. It's Jesus. In the preaching. How else but Jesus? Who else but Jesus? I, I, don't, I don't live with you or have your house bugged. And yet every week somebody will send me a message that said, That word you preached last Sunday—it was like you were living in my house. I don't know how you were able to say exactly the thing I was going through. I prayed about something, and the answer came out in the message. How does that happen? It is Jesus in the preaching. When Jesus is preached, He comes into the room. When Jesus is preached, He carries the word to your situation. When Jesus is preached, He knocks on the door of your heart, gives you inside instruction, direction, and strength. When Jesus is preached and Jesus preached Jesus and they still I didn't know I didn't know it was you he preached all that time and it seemed to fall on deaf ears he that hath an ear let him hear what the spirit is saying the church. Touch somebody and say, he's in the preaching. He's in the preaching. And the scripture says at the end of seven miles. Pastor David, how long would it take to walk seven miles at a brisk pace? About two hours. A two-hour sermon by the one who invented words? The one who invented comprehension of the human mind. The one who's never used a word out of place. Two hours of verbal perfection. Ministry, perfection, the best preaching that could ever be preached in the history of the world to a two hour masterpiece. And they steal. I didn't know that was you. So they get to the end of seven, seven miles. And the scripture says that Jesus, he made as if he would just keep on going. Well, it's been nice talking to you. (laughs) I hope you all have a great evening, great rest of your day. Maybe I'll see you again sometime. And turned around and acted like he was just going to keep on walking. And what they missed in his presence and what they missed in his preaching they finally got, when they did invite him into number three, the practical circumstances of their lives. They said, no, no, no. Um, we've, been, we've been walking all day, The days far spent. You've been telling us all about the word. And I tell you what, my wife's got some food on the stove. Why don't you come in the house? Why don't, why don't you come in the house? And when they invited him to come into the practical, just invited him to come into the house, that's where everything changed. You see, most people have two tracks in their mind, in their lives. They keep their faith and their spirituality and their belief system on one track and then their everyday practical lives and circumstances on another track. So on Sunday and those of you that do come on Wednesday, they jump on this track. Okay. And then when they leave church and they go out to their car, they jump back on the practical track. And as long as these two are separated, then serving God is duty. Worshiping God is duty reading your Bible is duty. What are you saying, duty? It's, I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to be better because it's something you're stepping on temporarily, but that you're not living out in practicality every single day. But if you ever have the faith to merge the tracks and bring Jesus Christ, take him out of the compartment that you just visit on Sundays, take him out of that place that you just visit when you're wanting to be spiritual, if you ever allow him to come into the practical elements of your everyday life. When you get Jesus in the marriage, when you get Jesus in the finances, when you get Jesus at the job with you, when you get Jesus in your family relationships, when you get Jesus inside of it. all that's when the Bible said they invited him in the house. They invited him into the practical that's what God is seeking when he's standing at the door in Revelation 3 he's not standing at the door of the church Jesus owns the church you never knock on a door you own he's, he's standing at your door knocking desiring to be let inside all the other rooms in your heart. He wants you to let him inside. You've been keeping him in one chamber. You've been keeping him on one track, but he wants to be able to invade it all. And, and they brought him inside their house. I love his presence. I'm a worshiper. I love the presence of God. I love his preaching. I love to hear good preaching. I love hearing preacher, uh, preaching a lot more than I like preaching myself. I love the preaching of the word of the Lord. But you can't beat Jesus in the practical. When you bring him into your house... When you bring him into your daily routine and your thought life, when you bring him into it all, what his presence wouldn't show you and what his preaching couldn't get through to you, he will reveal to you at the kitchen table of your practical experience. So they brought Jesus into the kitchen and they handed him as the guest of honor a loaf of bread. Just Simple, ordinary, nothing spiritual about it. Just here's the bread. Do you want to say the blessing? The Bible said he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he handed it to them. And when they saw him take the bread and they saw him bless it and they saw him break it and they saw him give it in that moment, their eyes were open. And they looked at the bread and they looked at him and they looked at each other and they said, I didn't know that was you. I didn't know. I didn't know that was you. All that time we were walking together. I didn't know that was you. All that time you were preaching you. and I didn't know. That was you I Wonder how much we've missed this week. I Wonder how much we've missed this year While we've been cumbered about and worried about what's going on in the news cycle What's going on in the nation and what's going on with our people? I wonder how many knocks we've missed didn't know. I didn't know that was you. I have trouble sleeping. And rarely, rarely do I ever get more than five hours of sleep at night. And it was a cold Sunday in December. And I had gotten home from church from preaching. And um, Katie had to come back to the office and work on some stuff. And It was one of those rare, beautiful occasions that I was able to get a nap and actually fall asleep. Now, there's nothing quite like a good nap when you can actually fall asleep and and, and get a nap. The, 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 it was one of those rare deep sleeps and it was just so refreshing and wonderful. The, 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 the kind of nap, you know, that right before you fall asleep, you just know it's gonna be good. So you flip your phone ringer off so nobody can bother you. And 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 I I had gotten I had gotten my boys laid down for a nap and and I went off to sleep and and oh the sleep that I, I was having. I was Having amazing sleep. And then all of a sudden, I, I'm jarred to consciousness by the sound of knocking. Now, something about the sides house. We don't welcome uninvited guests. Okay. So that means I might be home, but I ain't answering the door just because someone's there if I don't know you're coming I ain't coming to the door and so and so I, I I'm stirred awake by this knocking and I, I'm I'm angry that somebody is outside the door knocking on my door I'm furious because they interrupted my sleep and I figured all oh, will be gone in a couple minutes five minutes later they're still knocking And that slow rage started down in my toes and just started creeping up, you know, real slow. Like 10 minutes later, this person is still knocking at my door. I'm ready to, I want to literally pray for me. I want to shoot whoever it is at the door. I want to literally just go out and shoot them because they won't stop knocking on my door. I kid you not. 18 minutes later, this person is still knocking. So I bolt out of the bed. I'm going to give them the business when I go and open that door. And I fly to the door. I open it. I say, what? And it's my beautiful wife. Back in December, my son Levi was in a phase where he loved to run through the house and lock all the doors. And I didn't know that he had locked the garage door where she comes in and, and she had used the garage door opener and got in the house, but the door, the door was locked. And she had tried to call my phone, but that nap, that silent button, it was just... <laughs> and my wife, my love... My everything can't get in her own house. And I opened the door. I didn't know it was was, you. Somebody's been hearing little things in your trouble. Feeling little prompts in your daily commute. Going through little things and, and having the subtle sounds of a whispering voice. And you didn't know that it was him knocking at the door of your life. And I came by to tell you in the middle of a tough year, in the middle of searing, painful circumstances and difficulties all around, that you may be missing the most important sound your ear will ever hear. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Don't, don't, don't live your life and then die and wake up in eternity having never answered that knock. Don't look at the risen Savior on judgment day when he asks you, why didn't you ever answer my call? Don't look at him and say, I didn't know. Stand with me all over the house and give the Lord a praise. If for some reason it would have to be a doozy. But if for some reason I showed up to your house and I started knocking on the door I'm not a patient person I'll knock three times on the door after that I'm gone how long do you stand at a door that goes unanswered what's your patience level how much do you have how long do you stand at a door and beat on it when there's no answer? It's why the imagery in Revelations 3 bothers me. I can't imagine that my king, my God, the one who Job said his feet hollowed out the mountains and he spat out the seven seas. God is waiting at the door trying to get my attention trying to get your attention sending signs, sending words sending messages sending things to you that that you've heard but not not heard he that happened here let him hear what the spirit is saying I hope you'll hear it today. I hope you'll hear Jesus speaking to you through the words I'm saying. It's not necessarily about the words I'm saying. It's the voice inside the voice. It's what you hear on the inside while you hear on the outside. I hope you would hear it. I hope you would hear the knocking. I hope as you go through your week and as you go through your life, that you would invite him into the practical places not just Sunday morning and Wednesday in church and shouting and dancing and and a theological base and all those things, but you would develop a real relationship with the God who loves you so much. He's been standing outside the door and knocking. He was knocking while you were in the club. He was knocking while you were shooting something into your arm. He was knocking while you weren't thinking about him. He was knocking. While you were watching those people strip, he was knocking. While you were being promiscuous and cheating on anybody that ever loved you, he was knocking. While you were filled with anger and rage and you hurt those people that night, while you were hurting them, he was knocking. I would have thought he would have walked away. all the times I didn't come to the door and yet again this morning he's in the room he's been preached not just the subject when he's preached not just the subject when he's preached the object of the subject comes into the room Jesus is here and he's He's knocking. That thing you felt during the sermon, that thing you felt during the worship service, it was Jesus. That presence, that warmth, that beauty around you, it is, it is Jesus. And he's, he's knocking. He's knocking. And I pray today, you'll answer the door. Hands up all over the room. Lord Jesus, I hear you. And today, I open up my door. I ask you to come in. I ask you to abide with me. I repent of my sins. I declare with my mouth that I believe in my heart. God raised you from the dead. I declare with my mouth, you are the son of God and my savior. Forgive me, clean me, give me a sense of my purpose. And walk with me in Jesus' name. Give Him praise all over the room. Hallelujah! I want to touch you. Hands up. I want to hear your face. I want to. Listen, look, behold, perceive, see, understand. All the many ways this week, he'll come for your attention. All the many ways this week, he'll slip his arm around you. All the many ways this week, he'll lead you and guide you. Don't be deaf to it. Don't be blind to it. Let Jesus in and you'll be amazed. I speak the blessing of the Lord over your life from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet. I speak that God will lead you and guide you this week in safety and in truth. And I speak that as you invite him in, your eyes will be open and you would no longer be blind to anything. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Get an offering for the Lord. We do the tithe in the beginning. We do our offerings, our seeds at the end. Jonathan Aguilar, God's not, God's not through working miracles in your life. And I just speak over your life right now in the name of Jesus. Whatever you got going on, whatever you're dealing with, God will invade your space with a miracle, something only he can do in Jesus name there's some people in the room you need to sow not because the church needs to be blessed but because you need to bless you you need to be blessed you need to sow I want to encourage you get a seed in your hand get a seed in your hand if you're watching me online you can click the link or you can text to give but however you do it Jesus is here let's honor him let's worship him with our offering he's here get something in your hand all over the room all over the room Father those that are giving bless them multiply them. Those that need to sow because they've got a circumstance, they need a miracle, they need divine intervention in their life. Lord, I ask that you would consider their seed. You would see their sacrifice. And Lord, I pray for a harvest to come upon them quickly. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. God bless you. When you have it, you can come and bring it. You can text it. You can give it online. We love you.